Welcome to Impact and Freedom with your host, Jason Feldman. All right. I am super excited. Welcome to Impact and Freedom. I'm Jason Feldman, and today we have the incredible Jake Carls, co-founder and chief rainmaker of Midday Squares, um, one of the fastest growing chocolate manufacturing brands in Canada and the U.S. Jake was uh, one of Forbes 30 under 30 and had one of the most rock star photos. And if you're watching this right now, his style is unparalleled. So uh, you're in for a treat. Um, so Jake was going to be an actuary or investment banker, and boy, did he take a left turn. Uh, and then one fateful evening, he watched one of my favorite shows, Shark Tank. But I'd love, I'd love to hear the whole story from you, Jake. Welcome to the show. Oh, I love that. Your energy is is, is unparalleled. And, um, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know what you're on, but I need that in my life. Um, <laughs> just because people I, tell. I, Cup of Joe. People call me a hype man. You two, just a cup of Joe. People hype. People call me a hype man. So it's uh, it's the vibe. But uh, yeah, <laughs> dude. So we, I, I, you know, my whole story is, you know, I tried to be, I tried to do well academically in life, and I just wasn't, I, I wasn't good at that. Um, you know, I want to show to everybody that I am smart. So I started to be an actuary, and I want to show everyone, yeah, I could do it. One of the harder programs. It's a great, it's a great job. Um, you know, in society, I'll look like I, I'm doing well. And I'll never forget, you know, third year I was failing miserably trying to apply to all the investment banks because that's what everyone does in either in that program or, or in, in finance. And, you know, I didn't get past the first interviews in any of the banks, the big banks here in Canada. And um, in that moment, I was watching Shark Tank on my parents' driveway. And I'll never, so not driveway, in my parents' living room. And I was sulking like a baby. And I'll never forget, I watched some individual on his screen. He was pitching his dream. He was so inspired. He looked so free. He was so happy. But the thing about him was he had two mortgages. He had three kids or something. He, you know, he had so much responsibility, and yet he looked so happy and free. And to me, I was out there sulking like a little baby and you know, pissed off that I didn't have a job, but I was living at my parents' house. I didn't have responsibilities. And that moment, I decided entrepreneurship was where I was going in life. And I launched my first business, which was a fitness business. And that was outdoor boot camps. Did very well financially, believe it or not, because I used Snapchat to tell the story. I took my shirt off every day. Everyone loves to be outside um, during the, the summer months here in Canada. And this next, I ended up closing that after three years and I, because I lost passion for fitness and I didn't want to do that anymore. So I went to a second business, which I would throw in college parties across, co sorry, parties across co colleges across Canada. It was whack. It was the most fun I've ever had in my life. But, <laughs> awesome. but I tried to sell clothing after the party to make money because I needed some business to actually operate. And I ended up going bankrupt on it two and a half years later. Um, I lost $86,000, I believe it was. And my ego was completely shot because I was like, okay, maybe entrepreneurship's done for me. I, maybe I can't do it anymore and I don't have it in me. And I, my, I learned my weakness during that time. My weakness was management, was operations, but my strength was storytelling, building a brand, building excitement, hype, energy, momentum, the whole nine yards. And my brother-in-law and sister at the time were are both entrepreneurs as well doing other things, but they were watching me do this hype and community building and brand building. And they were developing this chocolate bar, this, this, this functional chocolate bar. Basically, imagine a chocolate bar meets a protein bar, but you get rid of all the junk that's in protein bars and you make it, you know, an indulgence like a real chocolate bar and still have protein and fibers. And they came to me like, we need you to join this, be our third founder and just blow up the brand. And I said, well, how am I supposed to blow up the brand? They're like, just be you. You're good at that. And in that moment, I was like, 
I got confidence and I was like, maybe I have another run on entrepreneurship and I can actually do this. And I decided to join and I was like, we are going to build a media company within this chocolate company. And we launched Midday Squares August 2018 with the idea that we are a chocolate manufacturer and a media company as well. I love that. Um, so, wow, what a, what a, what a crazy... And it's funny that like entrepreneurs too, like there's so many different hats that need to be worn. Um, the media side of it can be very difficult. And, I, I, you know, some people get nervous in front of the camera. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I get a little nervous. I've do, do, been doing this for a little while. Uh, so like the initial nerves are out of there, but like, it's not my first thing that I want to do in the morning is jump on camera. But um, like, how did you approach the media side of this? So you're right. It's not for everyone. Media is surrounded us in life. Obviously, we all have social media. We have, you know, we watch TV, we watch the news. There's media around you 24-7. But the kicker was my partners at the beginning are introverts. They're still introverts. And, and there's nothing wrong with being introverted. I'm extroverted. They're introverted. They right. felt that the camera was unnecessary. You didn't need to be on camera all the way out there. Put yourself out there. It's uncomfortable. It's nerve-wracking. It's weird. It's, 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 it's cringe sometimes. And I told them, I said, this is the way that people are interacting today. That is how they build a business. It's connecting with the consumer at a very deep level. Content allows you to do that. It allows you to build an emotional connection. So I said to my partners, give me three months of complete attention and trial on showing yourself on camera. It doesn't make a difference if you take the, the shot 10 times. Just try to show yourself. And what happened was they started to see results within the first couple of weeks where they saw people becoming fans of the brand at a small scale. So I said to them, well, imagine we take this and we go even a hundred times more. This builds an entire fandom, a base, a base that will come and buy the product. And I would say that that was one of the reasons we got a really big boost jump into getting consumers was because we were telling a story of how we build this business, the good, the bad, the ugly, complete authenticity, showing you everything. And I mean like breakdowns, milestones, moments of complete chaos. And till this day, that's one of the reasons why we're, we're growing. I, I love that. Yeah, because usually what people like to do on social media is just show the highlight reel in which I don't think people connect well with that. Um, and I know you guys are primarily direct to consumer, right? We started as direct to consumer, 100% direct to consumer when we started this business because we didn't, no retailer would even look at us. Why, why would they? We had no traction, no credibility, and we were three young kids, you know, just playing around, right? But as time went on, to date, we're actually 70% wholesale, so retail, like in stores, 30% D2C. And the reason being is because our fandom grew, our base grew, and our people wanted to buy the product in stores. So they actually helped us get into the stores. And this results back, this comes back to telling our story. The story connected with the consumers. The consumers felt something deeply. They decided to become a fan of the brand. And when you're a fan, you talk about something. You talk about the people you're fans of or the brand you're a fan of. And then they went and got us retailers. They went and got us new accounts. They got us investors. They did so much work for us because we were emotionally connecting them at a deep level rather than selling them a chocolate bar. We were actually allowing them to come on this journey and experience the highs and lows with us. And not just the highs, like you said, but the moments of complete chaos and adversity. Love that. And so just so everybody knows the, the, the size of midday, I mean, you guys are, have to be over 20 million or something a year in revenue, right? We're, we're talking massive brand now. 
Yeah, so we we this year we'll hopefully do thirty million. So that's the goal right now. Um, you know, in food, that's a lot of dollars because yes. you're selling such low 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 priced items, and it has to be mass volume. So that's where we're at. Um, last year we did fifteen. Crazy, crazy. So ju- I, I want everyone to know the 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 size of this, so that we can go back. And I really want, if if you can, walk us through. Like, I know it's tough, especially you know, starting a company and I know, you know, getting on camera at the beginning is tough. So walk us through like the very beginning of getting on camera, um, having your partners get on camera too, and connecting, like what were some of the first connections that you had with, with people through media? So we, we, we literally just documented, right? So we would take out our cameras at the beginning and show everything. And unfiltered. We wanted you to feel like it was kind of Shark Tank meets Keeping Up the Kardashians in a very wonky, wonky way. Um, And when you have three characters that are unapologetically themselves and weird and relatable, you start to feel like you're closer to these people. So our goal was you go to the grocery store and you don't feel like you're buying this chocolate bar with 40,000 other products on the shelf. You feel like you're buying from a family member, a friend or a neighbor. And what that does is it makes you want to find the product. It makes you want to be more attached. It makes you do things that you wouldn't do necessarily. So... uh, at the beginning, the content would get us those fans. The next thing you know, fans would get us more fans and they would come watch our content. And then we would keep reinforcing with more and more content. And again, I don't want to discredit that you still need product market fit. So the most important thing is having a product that people like and want to have and repurchase. So if you don't have that, you're not going to have a business. But the secondary thing was tell a great story and it gives you a chance of actually growing. Love it. Love it. What What are some things that people could do? Because I think that there is a disconnect between... Uh, I mean, you obviously have a gift for being able to connect with people, but I think that there is a disconnect when people do get on camera about a brand and they just start talking about, Hey, this is a really good bar and you got to eat it. You know, like it's like so disconnected from, from an actual, uh, relationship. Yeah. Here's the thing. You, marketing in the early 2000s was product features. You spend money on ads, you get it on billboards, magazines, radio, TV, and the consumer was forced to listen to it. So they had to see it because there was nothing else. Starting in the late 2000s, like 2010s, you had social media come, right? And social media democratized the consumer. And what that means is it allowed the consumer to choose what they opt their attention to. So they give their attention to what, when, why they choose. They can unsubscribe, they can unfollow, they can block. So what that did was it allowed for an even playing field between big brands and small brands because the big brands can, they could buy up the ads still, but it doesn't make a difference. The attention of the consumers now choosing, the consumer now chooses where they want to give that attention. They don't have to give it to the big brands. So what we did was we said, let's just put out good content. If you put out consistent, good content, eventually they will, the, the platform or whatever you're doing it on will reward you. And I think that if you're going to go tell a story and you're going to build, you're going to build a brand today you need something that is relatable, something that is not just product features because everyone has product features. That should be table stakes. Mm. What you need to do is get, I'm not saying show everything like we do on therapy sessions and stuff like that (laughs) because that's not for everyone. But I'm telling you to find your authenticity, find it somewhere and then share that and continuously share that or share your vision that again is either entertaining, it creates an emotional connection or it adds value. If you're not doing those three things, you're in trouble. They're going to just swipe past your content and not give a shit about it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Is that so when you guys were when you were um, in those first few months really trying to build, were you trying different kind of when you're showing your stuff, were you trying to show different sides and figure out which part connected with with consumers? 
So the first, the first thing we did was no strategy. It was literally take, like, take the phone out, take videos, um, and just post them. And we wanted to just see how people would react to the idea of behind the scenes entrepreneurship. And we knew it would work because Shark Tank was on a tear. The ratings were on fire. People wanted to know more about entrepreneurs. They were becoming more celebritized, similar to how chefs were in like the early 2000s from like the shows, the TV shows like MasterChef, Food Network and all that stuff. So we start to play around, test things. And then we start to realize that, you know, people like more like, okay, they like this type of drama. So we're going to show them more of it when it happens. Or they like mm -hmm. these type of milestones. We're going to show these milestones more often, right? So now we understand we have a typical strategy where we could say, okay, hey, like this content we know typically works. This content doesn't. And that has kept, I guess, guided us in a slightly different direction. But more or less, it's still the story of how we build this to 100 million, showing you the good, the bad, the ugly. I love that. So what, from where you are now and where you are then, what were some of the biggest milestones and some of the turning points that you've maybe pivoted a little bit? So the biggest milestone is, is build, building a great team and building our manufacturing plant. You know, we, we had to build a factory and, and usually in food and beverage, most companies don't do that. What they do is they third party it to a co-manufacturer and you scale your business just through sales and marketing and the co-man does your work. For us, we went to 26 co-mans and no one was able to create the product. So we had to build a new factory with custom machinery that never existed before. And that took about three and a half years to build. Now we could do about 60 to 70,000 bars per day on the line in our own facility. So that's the biggest milestone. The wow. second one is in the last 24 weeks, um, in the stores that were in the, in the natural store. So like we are the number, our peanut butter is the number one selling bar in the category. So the refrigerated bar category. And that was a big milestone because we came into the market a year and a half ago or a year and, a year and three quarters ago to the U.S. market and are taking it by its storm. So those are big wins. And then the third thing I would say most importantly is we got over 40 million organic views on social media last year by just creating great content. We didn't pay for it. We built it internally and we told a great story. So those are the biggest milestones I would say um, has happened. And at what points were you able to, that you were like, you know what, I, we have to grow this media team that we have. Like, how did that, how did you build that internally? Well, our first hire was a videographer. It wasn't even a food scientist. And the reason why is because they stopped, it was getting very hard to take videos on our own phones all the time during heated arguments. It would change the dynamic. So that was our first hire. And then now we're actually building out that media team to have videographers, editors, TV producers, script writers down the line. Like that's what we want to get into. We want to be an entire media agency internally so that we consistently always create our own content and we're creating a lot of good content because we eventually want to have a reality show. We have 35 terabytes of content since day one that we've taken of how we built this business. Think about that, 35 terabytes. That is like Insane. a season on Netflix is one, is one terabyte. Yeah, oh man, I love that so much. So how much of, of uh, your own content uh, would you attribute to sales to compare with maybe some paid media? I would definitely say that most of it's coming from organic. Um, so from our own content, we do work with paid media in terms of influencers and they do a phenomenal job because we choose authentic, um, you know, influencers that are, that believe in the brand and love the brand they're, and their, their, their fans love, love this kind of product. Right. So that drives a lot. We still do a bit on Facebook and Instagram and in terms of paid ads and it does well, but it's not, it's not where we're putting our capital. Mm, so, so primarily it's, it's the organic strategy. Yeah. So like when you get 40 million views, if, even if you close 1% of that, it's 400,000, right? So it's a lot of people. I love that. It's so crazy to me that so many companies don't look at this. 
Like it's completely, they will focus on building or whatever, but not the media side of it. They'll just pay Zucks to, <laughs> for ads. Um, yes. You know what? Companies need to start looking at it is it, they need to start acting. So CPG companies, people doing fashion, you know, cosmetics, well, uh, food and beverage need to start looking at their businesses as a TV producer. They need to act like a TV producer, figure out a way to entertain, create a story and relate to the customers. So stop selling to them, pull them in instead of selling. So, and you keep telling, you keep talking about storytelling. So you obviously I've gone pretty deep into storytelling. How do you approach just storytelling in general? How do you know when it's a good story for you? The only way we know it's a good story is if it makes us feel something inside when we when we create the content. Meaning, when we watch it, do we feel an emotion? Angry, sad, happy, me, fired up, whatever it is, or does it add value in terms of information or education? If it doesn't do that, it's not going up. It's not it's not great storytelling. It's content, but it's not storytelling. Not great yeah. storytelling. Do you have frameworks that you follow? So my our head editor James he 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 has his own framework. He's he's brilliant, and my sister is the creative director, so she's doing she's doing a lot of stuff with that and guiding it. So they they have their own ways of coming up with the content. Um, but again, it's it comes back to like, will it make you feel something? And if yeah. it doesn't, forget about it. Is it tough working with family? <laughs> oh, it's 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 it's, it, it's one of the most exhilarating, most chaotic, but yet most, um, inspiring, you know, partnerships. And I'll tell you why, because we're family, we get to celebrate the wins together and go through crazy adversity. But the kicker is, is we protect our relationship by seeing a business therapist. So an actual therapist once a week, mandatory in both good and bad times. And the reason is we want to make sure that we are still family, no matter what after this. And we work on our communication, understanding each other. How do we interact when there's bad moments? How do we interact when there's good moments? How do we approach each other in certain ways? How do we create that, that energy and that momentum that we all need, right? That is the thing that we're doing. So for us, without that therapist that we spend about 50 to 70K a year on, there's no chance. This business midday square does not exist. It's impossible. So I would say any entrepreneur out there listening or founder or partnership out there, invest in therapy. Therapy allows you to understand other people and not hold resentment or hold anger. You actually work through hard conversations with a safe zone and a, and a person that can actually, you know, be a mediator throughout the conversation. Dude, I love that. I didn't even know there were business therapists, but that would be incredibly helpful. <laughs> I've been in some some situations for sure. Um, yeah, because communication, I mean, the whole premise of this whole conversation is communication, whether it be with our clients or our team or our family. Now, some you know, our team is our family in your case. Um, what about, is there a different way you approach your, your internal team than your family? So yeah, so we're, we have hard conversations. So we've built an environment where people are, we, we try to encourage them to be themselves unapologetically and speak up. But in certain scenarios, we will actually bring our teammates into the therapy sessions with us um, to work through big things, right? Uh, otherwise, it's just a company culture thing. So the way you build your company culture is going to build the way that communication is in the company. Are people hiding things? Are they not talking about things? Do they feel uncomfortable? Do they, do they feel energized? Do they feel inspired? Like that's up to how you build it and how your leadership team, um, you know, instills that. And, and there's no secret to that. It's just, you know, that's gut feeling and that's, that's being a human. So there's no, there's no secret sauce. It's be a human. Um, yes, we still are. We're diehard capitalists in a very good way, but at the end of the day, like we still, 
need to build it in family environment. We need to build a place where people want to come and enjoy, but yet the hard work is still there. It's completely, it's whack. Um, and I think that's one of the hardest parts about this business is balancing the idea of scaling and really fast and also building a sustainable team that will be there for hopefully ever. I love that. Yeah. Team is so it's the human just connection is so important. I love that's a huge theme here. And I love that. Um, so what fires you up? What, what gets you more fired up these days rather than prior to this? So what fires me up is people and it's the ability to build Nike. And what I mean by Nike is Nike built a very successful brand that is emotionally connected to consumers. They make products, but you pay a premium for them because you like the brand. The brand has made you feel a certain way. So we want to build Nike. That's what fires up the ability to have a chance to build the next Nike, but of food in the chocolate space. And that's what I didn't even realize I'm wearing Nike right now, but, um, <laughs> they've told a story for the, uh, the athlete story for 40 years, uh, you know, the underdog and it relates it. When you want to work out, you think Nike because it's motivating, right? So for us, midday squares, we're trying to show that you can win by being unapologetically yourself at the highest level. You could be a billion dollar business. If you want, you could be a, a $10 billion business as long as you truly believe that. And people think we're out of our mind when we say it, but that's what fires me up. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. What brings you freedom these days? Reading books, to be honest, I feel in, in, in a zone in cold baths. So I feel in those two areas of life, I feel I feel free. I love it. Cool. What, what What's uh, one of your top books right now or that you've read over the last year? I read a book called Big Little Legends and I loved it. Um, I also reading The Art of War. People recommended that book and I'm reading it now. Very interesting. Awesome. What is one thing that you want people to know about your brand and you that you, do, you rarely get asked? Great question. So I think knowing that we're making manufacturing sexy and it used to be sexy and, you know, it used to be young people doing it and excited about it. And then, you know, internet came and all this jazz and automation and, you know, overseas, and then people no longer want to do it. And I think that we are millennials taking this manufacturing component and making it cool and making it fun and making it, you know, hot. And I think that that's what they did in the industrial revolution. Now it's, it's, we're trying to do it now. And I think that that's something that's different about midday squares is we are a millennial manufacturer that hopefully can, you know, inspire other people to go into manufacturing and not just into internet and media jobs. So, so obviously like the drop shipping and all that stuff that's popular now is probably something that you're, you're like, come on, man, you can do this yourself. Yes. I think, I think the reason why we don't see that much innovation in the world is because a lot of people don't want to do their manufacturing, right? So they, they, they put it someone else. So if you have a real vision and you want to manufacture it, figure it out, but it's a lot of work. It's very capital intensive. And the problem is, is it's difficult. It's fucking hard. Excuse my language. It's really, really hard. So hopefully we can show that you could build that Nike esque style of a large company by being ourselves and actually doing the manufacturing ourselves, which can hopefully inspire people to take that route and innovation route um, in the future. And what I love that, you, that um, you've talked about is that through everything that you've done, it's been steps, right? Like you went direct to consumer first, prove the model, ha you know, get a, a team behind you. And then when they helped you rise to going into stores and stuff. You need to be patient. You need steps, you need strategy, and the vision needs to work. So for us, that this has been a strategic model on how we grow. We're not trying to grow to $100 million next year. We're trying to go from you know that 30 that we get to to maybe that 50 or 60. And, and there's strategic ways to get there. We're not rushing like everybody else. It's just 
take these steps, stay true to them. Don't go more than you have to, um, because you don't want to bite more than you can actually, you know, work with. And it's steady that it's that step-by-step long game rather than that short game. Love it. So, and I know that you're a busy man and I appreciate you for, for, uh, going this long, but, um, I do want to ask you if you were speaking to young Jake, Jake, that was the going to be the investment banker, right? Jake, that just didn't know if he could do this on his own. Um, what would you tell him to inspire him to, to do what you're doing? Yeah. So that's a super question. I would say block out the noise. You know, at the time, all I cared about was what people thought about me. Um, you know, what, I, what, what I accomplished and my ego was in the way. And I think today it's more like just, just really as cheesy as it sounds, do what you love and, and be yourself and, and, and embrace that. And if you embrace that, you actually have a really big chance at winning. And I don't mean necessarily winning, you know, financially that that is an opportunity too, but I mean, winning in life, like winning that game of life, cause it's all a game. And, um, so that's what I would tell Jake, you know, 10 years ago. I love it, man. I love it. Thank you so much for joining today. I know you're a busy man, so we appreciate the the time, man. Jason, I appreciate you. Thanks for giving us a voice. Yeah. Thank you, Jake.